What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rovardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson, and joined by a very special guest today, Brian Walker, friend of the channel, D-Backs Academy. Check him out on Instagram. NFL coach, trainer, works with a lot of NFL players here today to provide us some insight on some of the New York Giants defensive backs. We're super excited to dive into it, Brian. Uh, how are you doing today, and what can you tell us about this Giants secondary? What are you seeing that you're really liking? No, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, and I appreciate it. I'm super excited to be here. You know, for me, just the same old, same old. This is a really diverse group. You know, I think about it. Uh, they had an assistant coach by the name of Mike Adams who played in the NFL, who's been like a mentor to me because he's from Jersey, North Jersey area. So I was excited this year to see these guys, you know, um, young group, a mixture of guys. So, you know, I'm looking for a bigger future. Yeah, and for the young guys, I want to dive in immediately and just kind of get your take on Deontay Banks, what you saw from him in his rookie year, because I thought he was pretty impressive, definitely flashed a lot of potential, went up against a lot of tough opponents, uh, so many good receivers in the NFC East and all the opponents that Deontay Banks faced off against. How do you think that he fared in those matchups, and what do you see from him maybe where he can improve or that really stood out to you? No, I think he fared well. I, I think he had a few growing pains. You know, I saw a couple games with Washington and you know, he made a few plays there. He made a great interception with Washington, actually. It did like a breakdown with that. I think for him, his growth is really valued on the offseason and who's the defensive coordinator. I think this is why it's going to be important to see what kind of coaches are in the staff because from year one to two, now you kind of get used to it. You get used to the regimen. You get used to the training. But I was impressed with him, and, you know, I liked his fire. So he definitely he definitely impressed me, and he improved you know, as the season progressed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, Xavier McKinney is kind of this polarizing kind of situation where the Giants have to decide, is he worth spending big money on? You know, McKinney said, like, he's not going to be happy with a franchise tag. He wants a monster salary, a monster contract. Um, you know, what that looks like could be $14 million per season or more. Um, and, and look, he he's put on a pretty good show this past season to deserve it. And losing him would be significant, but you said something that I really want to point to and I want to get your take on is that it really depends on the defensive coordinator. Wink Martindale plays that man coverage system prominently. He expects guys like Xavier McKinney to step up, expects guys like him to be a versatile and flexible piece in the secondary and kind of play all over, you know, helping the run support, help, you know, cover tight ends, help cover receivers at times. And obviously, you know, man, that, that deeper portion of the defensive backfield where he's had a couple of really nice interceptions, um, had two interceptions against the Eagles in week uh, 18. So, you know, how do you think the transition here for to a new de defensive coordinator, let's say they transition to more of a, a zone coverage scheme, you know, don't rely on him as much to be that single high guy that's going to be prowling in the defensive backfield. Does that reduce his worth? Does that make him less of an important variable? Or do you think he's still going to be a super important piece to this defense, no matter if they're playing a lot of single high, a lot of man coverage, or a lot of zone? So that's a great question. You know, I look at Xavier in the eyes of Minka. They come from the same background in terms of Alabama. And Minka had this issue when he was with uh, the Dolphins. They were playing a lot of man, and they really didn't have a position for him at safety. They kind of had him isolated. And when he got to Pittsburgh, he became an all-pro. So I think because they came from, come from that same foundation of saving DBs, I think Xavier knows how to play the zone. And he might actually do better because now it allows him to get more range to cover and see other things and even help out, you know, a few other guys. So – what I love about Xavier is his diversity. You know, his rookie year, you know, the last D coordinator had him run it almost like a linebacker or almost like a D tackle in the box. So 
I think sometimes with man, it limits your opportunity to be versatile because you're kind of focused on one thing. And if they have a zone type of uh, scheme, it might allow for him to kind of show his versatility as a, not just a great cover guy, but a run defender. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I've kind of been discussing on the channel is as the Giants look at their next defensive coordinator candidate, I've been kind of going back and forth with Alex and saying, I think they kind of need to shift this whole mentality of this defense, move to like a cover three base zone defense. You know, give I think that's great also because it benefits a guy like Xavier McKinney who can be your single high safety and range around on the back end, but it also gives opportunities for Deontay Banks. You just put him on an island and tell him like, hey, this side of the field, this whole sideline, just shut that down. Uh, I'm curious what you think about that, like, you know, with the personnel that the Giants have and some of these players, what defense do you think would most, most match the, the skill set of these guys? Well, you know, right now, because they're a man team, a lot of their DBs are, are very fast, of course, athletic. But if they transition to cover three, you kind of have to have the Seattle Seahawks approach where your corners have to be bigger, like a Richard Sherman, or, you know, like even a situation where, you start drafting guys who are about 6'2", 6'3". So that usually takes a year or two. So, you you know, if Xavier is trying to win now, you might it might be tough to have that cover three transition. Or you can, you know, I don't want to say get Bradbury type, but you have to get a guy who's a little more of a basketball build. You know, the importance really, like you said, is putting people in the position to make plays. You know, maybe not just stay into cover one or cover zero. Maybe, you know, switch it up, maybe change up the scheme. And, you know, at the end of the day, know what type of groceries you have so you can cook the perfect meal. That's that's all we ask. And, you know, how much value do you think a guy like McKinney brings? You mentioned how in the past they've used him a lot in run support. Um, he's not just a guy that's going to help lock down the defensive backfield and really support you in secondary and, you know, help even man up against some really quality tight ends. We've seen him go up against guys like Travis Kelsey or, you know, even Darren Waller in the past. We've seen him be that guy. Um, but how much value does it, does it, does he bring to the table as a run as a, a guy that can step up and help and run support someone who could play in the box, but also, you know, drop back into free safety. Do you think that gives him even more financial value on the open market? Cause you know, he's not looking to get, you know, a hometown discount. He doesn't want a hometown discount. He wants to go wherever they're going to pay him the most and probably give him a chance to win now. Um, do you do you think that winning is a really important variable in his mindset? Do you think that, you know, the Giants being kind of in this transition phase, they're not exactly sure, you know, where they're going to be this next upcoming season. The next couple of years are a little bit cloudy right now. Do you think that plays a part in his decision-making? Is you know, you've worked with him in the past. How important is winning to him? And do you think that's going to play a part in where he decides to go in free agency? So for me, you know, the value that he brings is he brings a winning mentality. You know, like like I said, Saban just left, but you think about the list of championships that Saban has, there's a mentality. Xavier could have went to any other school, but he chose a school where there's other five-star guys. So competition does matter. So he has that. I've, I, for one, working with him, how hungry he was, how humble he was or is, and just what he needed to do to be a professional. I think losing him will put a lot of the younger DBs in a situation where, similar to when they lost Jabril. Even though Jabril had his ups and downs, he was a captain of special teams. So that's that's the thing is, do you want to lose guys who can be championship pieces? So for Xavier, you think about it like this. He didn't miss a single snap. That right there in 2023 is a big asset because the best ability is availability. 
Then you think about how he ranked, according to P, uh, Pro Football Focus, his cover skills was the best. I think he was at like 91.2, right, which is among safeties is number one. And then I looked at the tackling grade. He was at like 89.1, and he's never had anything lower than an 81 in terms of tackling. So he's always been efficient in making a play. I just think when you lose somebody who, you know, now that everybody talks about the stats and all that, when you lose someone who's not just good on the field from the eyeball test, but also stat-wise, it's going to be a big asset for some for another team. And I guarantee you, any team in our conference will take him. Yeah, I mean, I hope the Giants just take him. I hope they go ahead and extend him because, like, all the stuff that we're mentioning, it's not hard to see how much value he brings to this team. And I think the biggest testament to that, which is what you mentioned, being on the – on the on the field for 100 of snaps that's yeah. rare only he and bobby okereke did that in the nfl this season it's great the two giants players did that but it shows you we've got a tremendously valuable player in bobby okereke and in xavier mckinney and so i don't think that giants fans or you know the giants themselves should be undervaluing him because he's a safety he's still the dependable guy that's out there every single snap and giving you high quality football but i want to ask you about that 100 of snaps statistic what did you see from him when you've been training with him in the past or spoken with him that kind of translated to that? Like, how does he prepare his body? What does he do differently that helps him stay healthy and stay on the field for all those snaps? Well, I know, like, you know, because Jersey weather is up and down, but I know he goes into Florida and he trains with a group of guys who, you know, especially not just EB-wise, speed-wise. And, you know, I've never seen him, and this is just me looking out on the outside, looking in. Never seen him out of shape. I think a lot of guys sometimes in the NFL, once the season's over, they're in Cancun, you know? No pun intended, but, like, I don't see him in a situation where he's out of shape. He's never not ready, you know? I always tell guys, be ready. Like, as the season is next week, you stay ready. But, you know, it's – it's. I think it's the biggest thing right, right there is he's authentic, He's a, he's a guy, he's a gentleman's gentleman. And you don't get guys where who are going to give you their heart in their sleeve, you know? So I, I'm, I'm excited because if he feels like this hasn't been his best season, I can only, you know, I can't wait for what comes to play. Absolutely. I mean, look, you know, losing him would be devastating. Um, I don't exactly know where the Giants defense is going from here in terms of the, the difference in scheme, but is there anyone in your mind, you know, having worked with some guys in the draft, like what would be an ideal fit? And, and honestly, to play in New York, like you said, you got to be a winner, man. You can't come from a small school and expect to get, you know, just sneak by unscathed. Like you're going to get ripped apart in the media. <laughs> and look, McKinney's been ripped apart a couple of times. You know, he spoke out about the defensive um, kind of situation. He said this past season, they're not listening to the leaders on this team. He was taking a direct shot. What now we know seemed to be more so at Wink Martindale and his staff not listening to them, not yeah. Brian Dable. Because, um, you know, Wink had his boys and, you know, they obviously had their takes and they were doing their way. And it seems like maybe there was a disconnect in communication. But look, like you gotta be, you gotta have thick skin to play in New York. And we've seen many, many players come through here and just not, um, not answer the call, you know. And and for what it's worth, like I think that that mentality should be at the forefront of a lot of draft, um, you know, scouting. You know, if you don't have the capacity to win, if you don't have the capacity to take harsh criticism, you probably aren't going to succeed in New York. You know, how important is that if the Giants do look to another option, if they let McKinney go and they're like, you know what? we're changing schemes. He's a lot of money. 
We already have a lot of cash allocated to guys like Daniel Jones. We'll see what happens with that contract. Um, but I do think, you know, there has to be other options available. Is there anyone that has piqued your interest? Maybe guys you've worked with um, that maybe the Giants should be looking at as developmental pieces that could become something right. special. Maybe I'm a homer, but why not bring back Peppers? My, why put him? Why not put him in the same situation as New England put him in a situation? I think the biggest thing is you put the guys in there who know how to handle New York. I also say that even there's so many safeties around because the game is so diverse. And I've said this before, it's arena football because the ball is getting there quicker and the game is getting faster, right? There's a young man who I've worked with who's entering the draft who's from Jersey, from New York area. His name is Jared Paul. He's played safety, uh, linebacker, and corner, all in Division One levels. He's a gentleman who, you know, he actually just went to the uh, All-Star game for the college gridiron where if the Giants pick him up as a seventh round or free agent, they're going to get a lot of money for his buck, you know, because he's 6'2", and he's around the range of 205, 210, and his kid can run a 4'4". It's not so often. There's also a kid in Villanova who I work with by the name of Asas Waxner. He was an All-American at Villanova. He's 6'3", 205, and runs a 4'3'9". Like, sleeper. So he's a kid who I've had since high school, and he actually had a growth spurt. So he went from 5'8 to 6'3". So that's why his recruiting's been late. But, like, this is a guy where if I'm the Giants, I'm looking at that guy because, you know what, truth be told, you want to be around kids who can understand the landscape of New York. I think a lot of times we get a guys from not saying Florida's wrong or Cali's wrong, but New York is just a different market. You know, you're dealing with the media capital of the world and sometimes you have to have thick skin. You know, I'm not saying I was against uh, a Dory signing, but he's injury prone. And I thought about that. I think he's a talent, but it's just way different system when you're in New York. And I'm still waiting for that to flourish because I think he's a talented guy. You know, and even with Darnay, I thought that this year was kind of weird. Like, I didn't know if they wanted him to, you know, play outside or play nickel. You got to know who you draft. Darnay never played nickel in college. So why would I put him in a nickel position? Like, literally, I was teaching him nickel during the the, uh, COVID year. But I thought it was unfair for him because I was like, he was really good as an outside corner. And he wasn't him and Adoria, same size. So he didn't get an opportunity. But I think really now is can the GM, can the coaches decide, does this piece fit for our market? You know, I'm, I'm going to mention like we spoke before, but even on a coaching staff, why not even think about these great coaches, Mike Tomlin? You know what I'm saying? I think right now he's in his last contract, maybe even trade for him. You, you guys agree, you know, like in terms of Mike Tomlin, culture guy, you pick him up in New York, it would be amazing. So that's just something that I just was throwing out there. But I'm a fan of the coaching staff here. But if it doesn't work out, why not get a guy like Tomlin? Yeah, I mean, if it doesn't work out with Dable and his staff, I want the Giants to like go big, get somebody established like a Tomlin. I mean, that's the ultimate culture reset right there. Mike Tomlin has always had a winning culture. He's never had a losing season. So that would be like the dream come true if it doesn't pan out with Brian Dable. But I want to touch on something that you mentioned, which was Jabril Peppers. I think a lot of Giants fans don't realize Peppers had a dominant year. Like he just balled out in New England this season. Like you were mentioning some of 
Xavier McKinney's PFF grades. Xavier McKinney finished number four among safeties in the NFL in PFF. Jabril Peppers finished number five. He was only mm-hmm. 0.5 points behind them on PFF. Um, obviously, their grades are a little bit different. He had a really good run defense grade for Peppers, where McKinney's was a 70 versus a 90 for Peppers. But then, of course, McKinney has a better coverage grade. I think that was just an interesting comparison that you mentioned. Maybe a reunion there would be cool. Uh, but I know, of course, you know Peppers. The way that he kind of exited New York, it was almost unceremonial to say the least. You think that he would be interested in a reunion here with the Giants? Is that something that you think he would even take into consideration? I think that he's a man who's – one thing I've learned about Peppers and, and, and being around him since he was 14, he's a guy who's always – you know, he's never wore anything on his sleeves. Like he doesn't – hold it against people. He is a forgiving guy. You know, uh, I think with the Giants, you know, he had that knee injury. I think that's what hurt him. How he had it, he did a, a ridiculous move and got jumped over the guy and made the tackle and it was like Pepper's like. So I, I think he would want to, not saying that the New England situation is bad or anything. I think he's happy there. But I don't think he's opposed to it. He's, he's a hometown guy. He loves the limelight. He's been a five-star his whole life. You know, he was kind of like the social media era in high school. I can imagine him winning a championship with the Giants would just be the, the cap for his career. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you said something before I wanted to touch on in that, um, you know, how difficult it is for a player to transition from the outside into the nickel spot and how Darnay struggled with that. But uh, the perfect example is watching Adoree Jackson try to do it this past season. Um, earlier on in the year, the Giants tried to move Adoree Jackson into the nickel role. And my God, it looked like he had never played cornerback before in his life. So if you want to see an example of like a good player struggling to change a position, that's why like we would talk about the offensive line and you and people are like, let's go draft. Joe Alter, uh, Fashanu, guys, they're left tackles. Playing right yes. tackle is a different position. Just like playing co- outside cornerback is a different position than playing nickel cornerback. You have to. You're in more in run support. You know, you are obviously trying to navigate other players running in front of you. Nickel, you have to be so your spatial awareness has to be off the charts because you have to be able to navigate between players. You know, get around those picks and then try to you know tail a player going across the field with four three speed. It's not easy. Um, and I'm not surprised, you know, Darnay and Adore struggled. Good players obviously just did not – were not put in a spot to succeed in that way. Um, so, you know, with that being said, you look at what the Giants' defense is going toward and what this transition could look like. I really hope they don't put Xavier McKinney, if they do bring him back, put him in a spot where he's going to struggle. You know, let him be that great player that he is. Ask McKinney or ask any of these guys, you know, what type of defense do you do you maximize your strengths? You know what I mean? And I think you touched on this a little bit before and how the coaching for the Giants has been so inconsistent and so polarizing where some players are maximizing their value. For example, Dexter Lawrence, you know, he is looking like a monster. You want to know who the best coach on this defense is? Andre Patterson, you know, and he's actually making that that guy, Dexter Lawrence, look like what his potential is, a superstar. You know, some of these other guys, you know, even Deontay Banks, and we'll ask you about we'll ask you about him in a second. Jerome Henderson's done a solid job helping develop Deontay Banks. And look, Anthony was a huge Banks fan, um, you know, prior to the draft. And this is a special talent. This guy is one of the most athletic players from the cornerback position in the past decade. I think he ranked in the top three in uh, relative athletic score in the past decade. He was the number one athletic cornerback in this past uh, draft class. So, you know, when you're looking at it from a perspective of pure athleticism, Brian, how important is it to be just a true athlete? Because if you have the right mentality and you're just a super athlete, 
I feel like you already have a leg up because you can do things that maybe other players can't. Yeah. No, it's important because playing a DB position, you're reacting. You don't know, like my, my father will always say, who was an All-State guy, he, he said, look, I don't know what the receiver's doing. So a good receiver is always going to beat a good DB because he knows when he's going to stop, when he's going to turn, or whatever it may be. So as a DB, which has been ranked, I think it was the Sports Illustrated, the hardest position or one of the hardest positions to ever play in sports, you have to be a better athlete because you're reacting. You're going backwards, which is not common, and you're going backwards while guarding a top-tier athlete. So the athletic position is very important. That's why it's important for guys to run track and have speed and do different things. And I even say, if you're a DB, do ballet, work on your balance, right? Those something That's something that you can add. But you made a great point in regards to when the outside corner goes into inside, it's so different because the perspective is different. Now you're in linebacker land as well as you don't have the sidelines to help you as an outside corner. So if I'm, a, if I'm not so good of an athlete, and I'll give you a, a case in point. When I, was at, when I was at Washington State, I had to guard Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson is a 4-3-4-2. I knew that for Deshaun Jackson, I had to use the sideline because if he steps out, steps out of bounds, then I'm okay. But if he's all the way in the middle, it's basically like he's running the 200 dash and I'm trying to catch and grab. And that's something that you don't want to be in position with. So like I said, for a lot of those guys – for a lot of the West Coast guys as well, you know, as you can see, Darnay and Adori, they've been outside guys so long that they've never played inside. So it's so important. And when you have a guy, a young man like Banks, is it, you have to take advantage of that now. Because look at Sauce. Two years he's been all pro. It's not that Sauce is so much better than everybody, but he's in a position where he's a big, rangy corner. And when I see him in person, I'm like, looks 6'5". It's ridiculous. But he's also with a defense who the head coach, Coach Richard Sherman, who's a big rangy corner. So when it's, it's basically the pieces have to match the puzzle. And you're correct. So that's really the process of it. And then kind of similar to that, you know, mentioning cornerbacks transitioning from outside to inside, I want to get your perspective on Xavier McKinney and him moving around on the defense because we mentioned, you know, kind of in his rookie season, they had him more in the box, but uh, under Wink Martindale, they had him play more of that rangy, you know, high, single high safety. Yeah. How is that transition for a safety to make? Like, because it's difficult for a cornerback to kind of move inside, outside. How difficult is it for a safety to kind of adapt their game to different positions on the field? Well, I think, I think for a lot of safeties now, um, it's almost required, but it is difficult because if you're always in a box, you only see the, the perspective from a clo up close. So it's basically like watching a movie. If I'm always so close to the movie, I can't see the whole thing. And then when I back up, I'm like, oh, my God. Or it's like going to a 3D movie. And you're like, OK, I didn't see this. So for a while, that's it's a difficult process. I think for Xavier, he can do it. It's just that a lot of times like he's expressed, it has to be in the right format. You have to put people in the right position. One thing about success is situational. If you have a flower, you don't put it in the rain, in the storm, or whatever. You put it in the sunlight. You let it bloom. You let it blossom. So, oh, you don't put it in the dark, you know? So I think, like anything, you can be the most athletic person in the world, but you have them in the wrong position, they're not going to succeed. So it's like valid points. I think Xavier can do both. I think for him, 
It's just now there's a trusting, you know? And I, you know, I don't know the relationship relationship between him and Mike Adams, but Mike Adams seems like, you know, he's a Jersey guy. He's went to Delaware. He's been an all pro. I think there's a reason why Mike Adams is in the room and it's important. So he has a younger voice and he has an understanding what the game is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the number one takeaway that I've gotten just from, you know, the way you've described things is that, and it's something the Giants have really failed at, is that you have to draft players to fit your scheme. You have to you have to draft players to fit your your model, your strategy. And the Giants have done a really poor job at that. Like, you, you know, you, you just said it with Darnay. Like, they tried to fit a square peg into a round hole. They've been doing this over and over and over again. And now we're about to change our defensive coordinator again. So they need to figure out who that DC is going to be so they can appropriately attack the draft with the right personnel in mind. Is it going to be a bigger rangy cornerback? But the truth is this, like they also have to get a DC who's going to fit their personnel they have now. Um, They can't just go out and get somebody who needs to overhaul the whole team again. They need someone who, you know, needs a cornerback like Deontay Banks, needs a safety like Xavier McKinney. What I do like about McKinney, why I do think they will pay him is that he's kind of a one-size-fits-all. You know what I mean? Like, you can take him, and he can play in pretty much every system at a high level, and that's rare. You know what I mean? It's, it's rare to find a player that can do that. So you sign him, and then you feel comfortable that the back end of your secondary is secure and safe uh, with him, you know, at the helmet. And look, having two players who don't miss a snap in a single season, that says a lot about their value. And Bobby Okereke, I mean, I know you watched him, like, this guy was a monster this year. He was he should have been a pro bowler. Um, yes. He got snubbed for for Wagner. Um, and, and look, the, the truth is, is like the Giants have a couple of linchpin pieces on defense. I think that Okereke is one. Dexter Lawrence is one. Banks is going to be. I see Kayvon Thibodeau getting there if they get the right coach to help him. And I think McKinney is too. You you have four linchpin pieces on defense. That's enough to have a great unit. The rest, everyone else can be average to slightly above average jason pinnock has, was also excellent this year at strong safety and he's a guy we plucked off the jets so you know there's a lot of value this giants defense has they got to get the right coach in place they got to get the personnel in the draft um you know anthony I'll, I'll let you kind of wrap that idea up that you know you kind of have to have um the personnel to fit your scheme but the giants are in transition right now we don't know what that's going to look like we don't know what it's going to look like. And so that's kind of what I've been trying to dive into looking at the personnel, looking at some of the coaches that they have as candidates right now. I know um, Shane, Shane Bowen, I think it is from the Tennessee Titans. He runs more of a four, three front, a lot of zone defense, a lot different from what you'll see with Denard Wilson, who they're interviewing defensive backs coach for the Ravens. He's kind of coming from that wink Martindale tree, really aggressive, a lot of man coverage. So it seems like they're kind of open to either. So I'm not sure which direction the giants are going to go in. Um, with this coach, but whatever they, whichever direction they go in, it's got to match the personnel. Question, real quick: Who's yep. been, in looking at the NFL, who's been, you say, the most impressive defense in the league? What would you say? I'd say the Ravens this season. Cleveland's pretty good. Yeah. Ravens, yeah. Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens has an assistant uh, DC coach. He works with secondary by the name of Chris Hewitt. Chris Hewitt actually is from the New Jersey area. He played for the Saints as a safety. I'm kind of dating myself how old I am, but he was the one who kind of hit Steve Young and knocked him out of the game and kind of his career. But Chris Hewitt, what he's done to that secondary from last year is completely different. And he's been a part of the Ravens since 2012 when they won a championship. That's another DC guy. I mean, who could, I mean, that's another Jersey guy who could be a DC. Also, you got the Anthony uh, Campanelli. Um, he's a guy from Jersey who I actually played with 
So and he's a really good guy. He went to Bosco. He coached at Bosco and, and X, Y, and Z. But those guys, you got to get guys like we talk about. We're part of this area. It's important to know the landscape. You know, uh, the biggest thing, and it's crazy. As I was talking to you, Xavier just texted me, right? So the biggest thing he's saying, hey, just he's ready to just be authentic. All he wants to do is just be authentic and play the game. Keep it simple. And that's what type of guys we need and we want. Think about it like this. They drafted Jordan Love, right? We didn't know what to do with Jordan Love. Jordan Love is going to the Pro Bowl. If, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's going to the Pro Bowl this year. I think he Julian had, Love, yeah, he's Julian with the Seahawks Love. going Julian to the Pro Bowl. Yep. Yeah, Julian yep. Love. He's going to the Pro Bowl. We yep. had him. We didn't know what to do. So, like you said, guys, we have the pieces. It's just that we got to put him in the right position. Julian Love to go to the Pro Bowl where he was like the third string safety or he was behind so many guys and we didn't know if he was a corner or not. Mm-hmm. That just shows that we got to take a step back and go, okay, we have these pieces. How does it fit in this puzzle? You know, ultimately at the end of the day for a secondary, you can have the greatest secondary you want, but if your, your front four is not complete or good, it does not work. It does not translate. So it trickles down. Definitely. It's a team game at the end of the day. I'm glad that you mentioned Chris Hewitt. I just looked him up um, and seen any defensive coordinator jobs that he's getting looked at. The Jaguars are actually interviewing him for uh, their D.C. job. The Giants should probably do the same, I would think. But we'll see. He's in, you know, I'm a homer, but we're from literally from Inglewood, New Jersey. His brother is a coach at Rutgers, uh, Matt Hewitt. Chris Hewitt is a guy who he's been a coach at Rutgers. He's been he's played in the league. He's doing the right thing in regards to what the Ravens are doing as a, a secondary and as a defense. Harbaugh loves him and trusts him. Jaguars wanted him a few years back, and they want him now. This is a guy who understands the landscape of how to communicate with the athletes. As you can see, a lot of the older coaches are leaving now. They don't know how to – with NILs and money and all that, you got to communicate with these kids. We're not getting the same athletes like we did years ago. You're getting NIL college athletes now. So they're coming in with money. So now you have to see if they're hungry or if they're complacent because they have money now. So this is where the mindset, like you guys said, this is where the mindset is going to be important. It's a different type of, it's a different draft pick now. You know, imagine Reggie Bush with 50 million at USC and he's coming in with the, he's, it's a lot different. So. It's a new era for football. It really is. I mean, college football is changing so much. NIL deals, everything. It's changing it all. Yep. But it, it's it's going to be an interesting offseason here for the Giants, you know, mentioning some of those draft prospects, who they bring in, who they don't. But like we said in this episode, and I think that's a good way to wrap it, they really got to get that D.C. hiring right because they, yeah. they've got some personnel. They've got some good players that, in my opinion, they need to extend McKinney. They've got banks. they got to continue building around him. Like, they've got some pieces they got to get the right coaching staff in place to really develop that talent uh, and maximize this talent that that's exists on this defense. But Brian, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate having you on the show. Anytime you're available, always happy to hear your insight. So uh, thanks for sharing that on McKinney and you got any uh, wrap up words, anything to share with the, the viewers before we wrap up? No, I mean, guys, like I said, we've been doing this for a few and I'm appreciative always, man. I'm grateful to be here. You know, you guys are like family, truth be told, you know, uh, my biggest thing is the Giants are are such a great organization. I can't wait for them to win, so I'm excited. But like anything, you have to re uh, reassess and, and see where we are. 
I want them to keep X-Man because you don't lose guys like that. You know, I would love for them to keep Darnay, but Darnay needs to figure out what he wants to do in his performance. So, you know, I'm just appreciative. And it, and I had fun during the Tommy DeVito era. So I'm, I'm not going to lie, you know. But, Me uh, too. Like, yeah. I had a great time, and we need that. The Giants love that. New York was craving that. It was like a yeah. Jeremy Lin situation. So, but no, I'm appreciative, and uh, thank you again. Thank you again for having me. Yep. Thanks for coming on, Brian. So, all the viewers, make sure to leave a like if you enjoyed this episode. Subscribe to the channel for more, and we'll catch you on the next one. Have a good one, and let's go, Giants. Yes, sir.